0: Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright.
1: Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I just want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. Lately, I've been thinking about the idea of asking for what you want. It, one of the reasons for this is because I've been listening to an audio for the book The Aladdin Factor by Mark Vector Hansen and Jack Hanfield. It's about this exact topic, the power for asking what you want. It may seem simple, but the truth is that a lot of people don't ask for what they want because they may have self-limiting beliefs around whether people want to help them or not, or even that we don't feel like we deserve the help we want. We won't reach our highest levels of success without the cooperation of others, and that frequently involves asking. Ask yourself today what you want to accomplish and who you need to help you. Then ask. Be specific and ask someone who is actually capable of granting your request. You will be so, so glad you did. And before I forget, you can get my latest book. It's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 1. And that is the topic of our show today. I've got a few of my collaborative authors who I've been invited to call in to share their stories about the greatest lessons that they have learned. So I don't have a guest this week. It's just us. I want to share, first of all, one of the greatest lessons that I learned from being an entrepreneur, I want to tell you a little bit about my last job. Actually, the, before I went full-time in my entrepreneurial journey, I was working for an insurance agent. And I was calling people in the Fountain Hills, Arizona area, Scottsdale, Phoenix, et cetera, trying to find out if they wanted to buy or sell their house or to invite them to come to an open house for homes that they already had on the market. I was allowed to work however long I wanted, and he knew that I was trying to build something on the side, which he was completely supportive of. But there came a point in time where I started working fewer and fewer hours for him and working more and more hours for myself. He kept asking me to work longer hours, and I said, I really can't. And so there was a point in time where we had to part ways. And when it happened, I initially figured, oh, wow, I'm free. This really frees me up now to do what I really want to do. But on the following Monday, I realized I had nowhere to go. My routine was officially busted. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what just happened here? So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book in the first place was because sometimes we think we have plans to do something and we plan a timeline for it. But sometimes that timeline does not happen when we want it to. Sometimes it's thrust upon us. And so having that plan be in place is a great idea. And if you are planning on starting a business, do it on the side first. Don't just quit your job, cold turkey, uh, to do something full time on your own, because it's going to take a while for that thing to ramp up. And if you don't have quite a bit of money saved up, I would say at least six months worth of living expenses, you might find yourself in a bit of trouble. So be very, very careful and judicious about how you plan your exit. And if that plan gets thrust upon you, you better have some resources available. So. I have a couple of people who have called in who participated in this book. And Michelle, I want you to be the very first person I talk to. How are you today? I am doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for calling in. And thank you so much for being a part of this. I really, really do appreciate this. Tell us what the greatest lesson you learned in entrepreneurship.
2: Uh, there's always a solution to every problem. Um I've come up with, uh, I've come against some interesting um, challenges in my junk removal business, and one of them was a gentleman had a floor model projection TV that um, would not fit down his curved stairway because the space was too wide, and he's like, it took four of us to, to get it up there, and I said, I can do this, it's going to take me about two hours. And he could not understand how I was the only one that showed up, (laughs) and I'm going to do this big TV by myself when it took four guys to get it upstairs. And the concept to him of taking it apart didn't even come to him. He didn't even think of it like that. And I said, "That's exactly what I'm going to do. I can't, I can't take a sledgehammer in your house and bust it up. You know, it it puts glass in the carpet. So I'm actually going to take it apart." And he just never. I don't think he, he just was completely shocked. And so I use that in all parts of my business, not necessarily on every junk removal, but whatever I come across, there is always, um, I'm very self-analytical. So I love to, I love the challenges. I love to problem solve. Sometimes the solutions I come up with are not the answers that I really want or the answers I'm looking for. But that that is the best answer for that problem at that time, and so that's what I use. So it, um, it it works in all aspects of my business, not just the physical part, you know. And and so it's um it's been great for me to continue as a reminder to you know to keep using that that uh, concept.
1: Yeah, you have to be very creative sometimes and very resourceful to come up with the solution to the problem. And I love the fact that you did basically the same job that it took four guys to do because you came <laughs> up with a very different solution. I bet I bet he was floored.
2: It, yeah, it completely shocked him. I mean, I'll never forget it. And, um, you know, he just and I, I was kind of messing with him a little bit. And I said, well, like I said, I can do this. But I just need to know first if you if you've got two hours for me to do it because that's about what I estimated and really that's about the time it took because I had to un, you know I had to drill out each screw and you know take each thing and I mean it didn't have to come in individually in the whole piece it came out in sections so I, I just loved it it was one of my favorite um, things to do with one of my customers. Because I get that challenge a lot with my business. Mm -hmm. It could be a refrigerator. It could be something that's heavy, and it's just me that comes. And so I did have a refrigerator, and uh, it was at the curb, but I had to get it loaded. It was extremely heavy. Honestly, I could not lift it by myself. Mm -hmm. But I have a dump trailer, and I know physics. I don't know math and physics. I just know physics. (laughs) So, So, um you know, I used physics and my dump trailer and tilted it and changed the, um, uh, I can't think of it, but I i was able to tilt the trailer enough to get the fridge on there and do it by myself. And the customer comes out, she's like completely shocked. Cause she's like, it's just you. And I get that one too, a lot. It's just you. Yep. Yeah. I got it.
1: <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. i I love yeah. that. So. As a woman in the junk removal business, do you get a lot of kickback and a lot of people who think you can't do something?
2: All the time. All the time. I had another customer. It was a big job. I did have guys scheduled to come work with me, and they did not show up. I am not one to go, hey, we got to reschedule because my workers didn't show up. That's not his fault. He -hmm. still needs this job done, and he needs this job done today. And I am going to do everything I can to stay committed to his schedule. And so I said, look, I can do it. And he goes, no, you can't. And I kid you not, this is how the conversation went. And I said, okay, well, I tell you what, if I can't do it, I will pay my competition to come out here and do it. And I'll give you an additional $100 for your inconvenience. But uh if I can do it, I want an additional $100 for my inconvenience plus my um estimate amount." And he goes, I'm not doing this. And I go, why? And he goes, because I know if you bet on yourself, I know you're going to win. And I said, you're damn straight. I'm going to start working now. And I did the whole job by myself. Wow. So I get it all the time. Um, it does sometimes start to cause self-doubt because I'm like, oh, maybe they're right. So I really have to talk to myself and go, look, you know, I know what I'm capable of doing. And I will find a way to get it out. It might not be um, your typical way to do it, but I'll do it. I will do find a way to get it out and, you know, because that's what I'm promoting. When I promote my business, we can do this job. So, uh, I don't want to promote it and go, Oh, I lied. I can't do this. You know, that's horrible. So, and and especially when people have you on the schedule for that day, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what you're, you know, you're telling them that you're going to do it. And I want to be that person that says, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do.
1: Yeah, I appreciate your integrity around that, too, because one time I hired movers because I had to leave my my home uh, at the end of the month to move to my brand new home. And I had confirmed I had set this appointment three weeks in advance and three days beforehand. I called to confirm that they were still coming and they said yes. Well, Saturday came. It was the last Saturday of the month. They were late. They were late. They were late. I called. I called. I called. And finally, the guy said I had a bunch of people not show up today. I said, I confirmed this three days ago. And he said, no, you need to understand that I can't do this. I said, the only thing I need to understand is that I booked you three weeks ago and I confirmed three days ago and I end up hiring someone else. And then the joker called me (laughs) the following Monday and said, we're ready to do your job now. I'm like, get out of here. I already hired someone else. I needed that job done on Saturday. Yeah. The audacity was just unbelievable. So I hired a, a mom and pop. Mm -hmm. place and they did it so I really appreciate that you stuck to your word that's awesome
2: yeah well and it's funny we used to do moving and I had two moving jobs now one was they were both small one was like a small apartment the other one the furniture was huge but it was like three items it was a china cabinet and a like a 10 seated dining table so it was huge and they had to go to an auction house about an hour away. And both of those jobs, my guys didn't show up. And uh, one of them, I had my customer film. I'm like, look, man, you can at least film this for me. Help me out here. So she filmed me loading the furniture by myself because I I had nobody. But again, like you said, it is very, very important to me that I keep my word. Um, that's all I got. You know, this really, at the end of the day, That is all I have, and that is the most important thing to me. And if I can't do something, you know, I'm going to tell you in advance, time enough, so you have time. Like, you called three days ahead. He should have said, no, we can't do it, so you had three days to get the situation dealt with.
1: Yep, absolutely. And we are coming up against our break. Michelle, thank you so much for calling, I appreciate you.
2: Oh, thank you. I appreciate you too, Brian.
1: All right, and thanks to everyone who's still listening. We will come back. After the break, this is Success Profiles Radio. I have another call on the line. I can't wait to learn what we're going to talk about next. We'll be right back.
0: The Mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's you never
3: heard.
4: Can you imagine life as a shopping mall Santa? For one month a year, thousands of men don the suit, white beard, and answer the question asked most by the children who sit in their laps. Why are there so many Santas? If you're interested in becoming a shopping mall Santa, it's recommended that you enjoy being with kids rather than make a lot of money. If you don't quite have the chuffy body type for Santa, such as a large belly, pippin' face, or long white beard, don't worry, padding and a fake beard are happily supplied. Pippin' face means a round red face. Most companies who hire look-alike Santas have to train them in the areas of latest trends and toys, the names of his reindeer, and his address at the North Pole. And there's always a long wait to see Santa. What's a word for the fear of long waits? Macrophobia.
5: It's
4: I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
1: Have you ever thought about writing a book? We are back. This is Success Profiles Radio, and I don't have a guest this week. I have people who participated in my most recent book called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 1. Call in, and you can get that book on Amazon. The paperback version is available, and the Kindle version is available. It's been selling very well, and I'm happy and grateful for everyone who has purchased it. And if you have not, get multiple copies for you and your entrepreneurial friends for people you care about because this is a great read and so many valuable lessons were shared in this book and there will be a volume two and a volume three as well so I can't wait we're working on volume two as we speak I have another caller c p thank you so much for coming into the show today how are you today my friend hey Brian I'm good how are you thanks for having me hey you are so very welcome so tell us a little bit about what you do and tell us a little bit about the lesson that you learned
3: yeah sure um so and yeah. in, in the past, I was actually in a franchise business with a partner and um, you know for for the most part, we, um, we went into this business together, just kind of with a handshake, a, a word of mouth and a handshake. so we didn't really have anything in the writing about who's who's responsible for what and you know just the accountability aspect of the business. And things didn't turn out the way we thought it would after going after opening the doors. And, you know, business was really struggling from, I guess, from the get go. So obviously, in a few months into the business, like financially, we were struggling, not having enough working capital to cover some of our overhead, overhead expenses and the bills. And, you know, in in those times, uh, you know, you you try to find comfort in someone else's arms. And it was one of those things where, you know, uh, where where I thought I would be able to rely on my partners for for some things. They didn't really support me in some in some ways. And and and. And you know things obviously got ugly a few months into the business, um, and we ended up shutting down the business. I I believe it was like about eight nine months after opening the business. And towards the end, it was you know it was just a lot of pointing fingers at each other because again we didn't have anything in the in the writing, so it was we didn't we couldn't really blame anyone. So you know it's it's in our nature where you know, if something were to go wrong, we try to point fingers at others rather than taking the accountability for it. So there was just, um, a whole lot of going back and forth and not resulting into anything. And, you know, eventually we went our separate ways and, you know, never looked back, but I learned a learned a very huge lesson from, from that experience.
1: Absolutely. So how do you pick a good partner? That can be a very tricky thing, can't it?
3: Yeah, so when I was going into the business, they were my partners. So I, I met them through a another friend of mine. So, but those the partners were completely stranger to me. I've never met them before. This was my first time meeting them, and the sole purpose of that meeting was to go into the business together. And the reason why I chose to go with them, because one, um, you know, I was I was 25, 26 at the time, not having didn't have any kind of working knowledge of the Franchise that I was getting into, and they they had already owned the location of that franchise. So I thought it would have been it, it was much easier for me to work with someone who already has experience running that business, that particular business. So that's one of the key things that I uh, that that made me feel good about uh, doing a partnership with them. So i I think I would say that uh, if you're going into if you're going if you're going to look for a partner, um, especially for the type of business I was in you would want to find someone who has experience working in that, in that industry and in that franchise. So they kind of know the ins and outs of the, of the company and how things are um, managed on the back end of
1: it. That is so important because if you do not have a lot of experience in that industry, you better find someone who does because two or three blind mice leading each other around just doesn't work out very well. Does it?
3: Yeah, no, it's, and you know, that's what it comes to like, um, Having that experience definitely helps, um, you know, starting from bottom up via yeah, like the franchise itself. Like they have their kind of training that you go through, but that's just teaching you how to run like the, I guess, the selling process, the selling part of the business. But there's so much on the back end that you, you need to educate yourself. So if you have someone that's already gone through that experience, think of think of them as your mentor, Uh, for, for that business. So I I would definitely recommend finding someone who's been in that business just so that things can be
1: much easier for you, for you, for you going into it. Absolutely. And if you had to do it all over again, what would you have done differently? Well, number one, a
3: couple of things. One, obviously, like I said, have everything in writing about who is responsible for what, to avoid any sort of, you know, um, pointing fingers at each other or uh, from a legal standpoint it also helps you kind of fight your case or your battle because you have something in writing that clearly states who was responsible for what and number two I would say get yourself a mentor or a coach because me going into the business I don't think I had that level of maturity that I needed to own a business I I could I could manage a business but I didn't think I had that Uh, understanding of what it takes to own a business, which is completely two different things, uh, managing a business versus owning a business. So, and everything in between, like I I had very little knowledge of it. So I would definitely recommend getting yourself a coach or a mentor to help you kind of navigate through the entire process of going into it. And also how to, also while trying to sustain the business, it's always good to have someone that can um, educate you on day-to-day or however you choose to do it.
1: Right. I love it. CP, thank you so much for calling in. It's an honor and a privilege to talk to you again, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. thanks again, Brian. Thank you. All right. Take care. My next caller, a friend of the show for many years, Mr. Steve Gamlin. How are you, Steve? I'm doing great. How are you, Brian? Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about what you do and share the great lesson you learned from running your business, please.
6: I am a professional speaker, blend of motivation, humor, and very heavy on visualization. And in my past, I was in the radio industry as well, owned a DJ business for 28 years, and so far have published four books.
1: Four books. Lots of people don't even do one. How did you end up doing that?
6: Uh, I
1: just did the first one and had
6: such a great time with it and just kept. Put it this way. I, I started writing and publishing books that I would actually read. So there's not a single one that's over 100 pages.
1: Oh, wow. That's that's awesome. That, and that's a really great pro tip. Write something you would read. Yes, that's fantastic. That I just love that. So tell us what was your big moment that changed everything for you in your entrepreneurial journey? Uh, The
6: name of my chapter is called Burn the Boats and Learn to Float, and that was inspired by the afternoon in August of 2003 that caused me to, if not stop licking my wounds, at least to move on from what had happened a couple years prior to that when I walked away from a 10-year, very successful radio career, Mm -hmm. went through a divorce, and at age 35 was about $62,000 in debt which is Mm -hmm. what happens when you're not paying attention to the bills. Well, on Mm -hmm. that afternoon, I invested $3 and I just spent an hour taking out my frustrations on a bucket of golf balls and a thunderstorm came through. So there I sat for an hour hitting golf balls, barefoot in the wet grass under power lines (laughs) wow, and daring the lightning to hit me at a particularly low point in my life. And everybody but me ran from the storm. Well, A day or so later, I was speaking with a brand new life coach. And he said, how was your week? And I just said, put down your pen and listen to this. Mm -hmm. And as funny as I could make it, I talked about that one hour. And he asked a question that unlocked everything for me. Have you ever thought of becoming a motivational speaker or a stand-up comedian? I think you'd be great at both. Wow. And I wanted to do both and write books since I was 11 years old. Wanted to be in the radio industry also. So all of my goals, hopes, and dreams happened when I was around 11. And this was the shift I needed the encouragement to at least stop sitting in the ashes over what I had done to my life. Cause I, I beat myself up for a long time. And I, looking back, it would have really helped me if I had moved on and burned the boat a lot quicker, but I was very critical of myself for many years, which held me back. So once I finally got rid of the last vestiges of all that guilt is when my speaking and coaching career really started to ramp up.
1: That's fantastic. And do you have a favorite moment in your uh, speaking career that you'd like to share? I do. In
6: May of 2017, I was flown out to Arizona, right near where you used to live. And I got to be up in front of 500 people, half of whom were traumatic brain injury survivors, and the other half were their caregivers. And they intentionally brought me in because I had not experienced a brain injury. And they said, we want somebody who can be humorous, who can be positive, who can be motivating, and who has a big heart. And it was, it remains one of the greatest memories of my speaking career, especially the hugs and the pictures I posed for afterward. These people They were rock stars to me, and they treated me like one as well. So as the heart goes, and you know I'm Mm heart-led, that was one of the most emotional days of my
1: life as a professional speaker. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. I love that. We've got only two more minutes to the break. So if you were to give someone your greatest piece of advice in entrepreneurship, what would you tell them?
6: Uh, A couple of things. Know who you are and know what you want to do, who you need to be to get there. Figure out a way to make money. A lot of people say, I'm following my passion. Hey, that's great. Figure out a way to make money at it, or at least make it a part-time revenue in your life. And then number one, and I heard this mentioned earlier in the show, get coaches, get mentors, surround yourself with the best people and the best systems to guide you.
1: That's absolutely fantastic. Steve, thank you so very much for joining us. You're a friend of the show. I would enjoy having you on again anytime.
6: Anytime, Brian, you know that just reach out and I'll be there, brother. Thank you.
1: Fantastic. And I will resist the temptation to break into song because you know what song I'm thinking of right now. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Steve. And to all of you, thank you so much for listening so far we have more callers coming up after the break this is success profiles radio if you have not downloaded and subscribed to the show please do that it's on apple podcasts it's on itunes and if you have a, a, a device such as a google device such as alexa or Siri, and you ask that device to play success profiles radio you will hear the most recent episodes and that will include this one after tonight we'll be right back this is success profiles radio If you want to know more about how to write a non-fiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's Briankwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. I don't have a guest this week. I am taking call-ins, and everyone who's calling in is part of my brand new book called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur Volume 1. We've heard from Michelle, we've heard from CP, we've heard from Steve, and we're going to hear from Kaylin. Kaylin, how are you today? Thank you. I'm fantastic. Is this your first author experience, or do you have another book that you've put out, so too? I
7: actually do have another book. Um, I wrote my bestseller in March. Um, That's right. On Masking the Greatness
1: of the That's great. And uh, your lesson that you shared in my collaborative book had something to do with that. Your chapter was about finding the real you. Why do people resist that? I mean, I think people want to think that they're real, but people wear masks, don't they? Yes.
7: Yeah. Absolutely, I think people resist that because it's the hardest choice to make, right? Mm-hmm. You're literally being vulnerable to everyone about who you truly are, right? There's no like changing that. That's who you are. Whereas it's a lot easier to pretend to be someone else, pretend you have it all together, and you know, it's it, it's just easier to wear the mask.
1: Yeah, is it because we are afraid that we'll be judged?
7: Absolutely. So most of the time, at least it was with me, we're afraid that people aren't going to like the real us, right? And we Mm -hmm. don't want to have that happen. So it's easier to cover who we are and um, pretend to be someone else that we think they'll like, you know, than be genuine and be happy being who we are, you know? But the funny thing is, the moment you step into that authenticity, into your integrity of who you are, that's when people shine brightest and they get to be who they were called to be, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what happens when you do unmask yourself and become the real you? How does your life change?
7: So first of all, you're not having to play the game of which lie was it that I told to this person, right? Like, You don't have to try to remember okay, did I tell them this story or that story? Like, you're not having to play the charades, right? You're not having to hope that you don't say the wrong thing and
0: all Mm -hmm. that. When
7: you're in integrity, you get to, you know, say it how it is. It's freeing, right? It frees you as an entrepreneur, as a person. You just feel like, okay, it doesn't matter because they know who I am, you know? And uh, the people that I'm meant to affect will be attracted by that.
1: I love that. So how do we go about developing the real version of ourselves? There's a lot of inner work.
7: Oh, absolutely. Um, It's not like, oh, I, you know, take this class and everything's perfect. Woohoo! No, (laughs) it's an inner work process for sure. Um, You have to start really at the core, right? You have to start with what are the things that I enjoy? How do I want to affect the future of myself of my kids of my you know friends the people I want to help right and you have to start with finding that inner purpose when you find that inner purpose it's so easy to be an in integrity because you know that you are living the life that you were supposed to
1: find your inner purpose and you'll find your integrity is that what she said
7: yep yep
1: I I love that so, so very much. And you know what? When I started doing that inner work and just realizing how awesome and amazing I really am, and I say that not to put myself on any kind of a pedestal, but I think we all have awesomeness and greatness inside of us. And when I finally realized and embraced that, my life changed.
7: Yeah, exactly. The minute that you decide to take that final mask off, you know, it just is like, wow, I am a pretty cool human and I can change people's lives. You know, God put me here for a purpose and I I can do it. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. So what's next for you?
7: Um, For me right now, I own two companies. I have my social media management company and then Adam and I, uh, my business partner are launching a uh, empowerment coaching program. So our next thing is launching that event and, uh, you know, helping people be able to get raw and real with themselves.
1: Absolutely. And when is this event happening?
7: Yeah, so it's on September 16th. It's virtual, so you can literally sit home on your couch and, you know, watch it and uh, get a lot of value. I mean, we have amazing speakers. We have Steve, who was just on, and uh, Chris White has, Stacey Rasky, a bunch of really high-profile entrepreneurs that you know, have done the work and know where that experience comes from. So it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Caitlin, thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate you.
7: I appreciate you too. Thank you for having me
1: on. Uh, You're so very welcome. So let me tell you a little bit about one of the greatest things that I learned. When your competition feels threatened by you, sometimes they will stoop to astonishing lows in order to stop you. When I was living in Nebraska, I had a resume writing business and it was a side hustle i was teaching at the time and i won't make this story very long but what happens is when you do the work and when you help people and when you do a great job your reputation will spread and when you have competitors who feel a little threatened by your presence in the marketplace and your emergence in the marketplace they will do a lot of really crazy and obnoxious things I had one competitor in particular who decided that I was her arch enemy. It was really almost comical now that I go back and, and look at it, but it was not much fun at the time. I started my business at home in my apartment. And I had a yellow page ad and I had a city newspaper ad and I had a student newspaper ad at the university of Nebraska. Cause I was living in Lincoln, Nebraska at the time. She started telling potential female customers that you should really be careful about going to a single guy's apartment to get your resume done. And I say that in air quotes, and I thought, wow, that's really, really low. And this happened twice in one week. And so I realized, you know what? I gotta do something. So I got a professional office space Sears, the department store chain was allowing franchise opportunities in their stores. So I rented a space and bought into this, and it was off away from everybody. Uh, this particular competitor was a feature writer in the local uh, uh, business magazine that came out every month. Well, one of her articles was taking clear shots at me without naming me my name, and the editor decided that her articles were becoming a little too self-serving. And so she was relieved of her duties, guess who took her spot? Yes, me. And so the editor and I co-wrote feature articles every month going forward and that was a lot of fun. And then this competitor decided to call the city newspaper and cancel my ads, pretending to be working for me. Oh, we don't need your we don't need this ad anymore. Well, they canceled the ad and when my ad didn't appear I called and and was just in a blind rage. <laughs> I said, "No one has the authority to cancel this ad except for me." And then she did a few other things, too, which I won't go into, but just some very interesting lessons that happen when you feel really threatened by your competition. You'll get noticed, first of all. And when your competition decides to look for ways to tear you down instead of trying to get better, you've already won because you are in that person's head. They chase you, not the other way around. And when you become really good at what you do, you learn to pivot and creatively market yourself because you can't just rely on the same methods that everyone else is using. So those are some very, very important lessons. Uh, And so if you do feel like you've emerged in the marketplace and other people are trying to cut into your share and they're doing so in a way that is not in integrity, just know that you are in someone else's head and you've won the game. And we have our next caller, Daniel Osborne. How are you, Daniel?
5: I'm doing well, sir. It's good to be with you.
1: Yeah, it's good to be with you, too. The title of your chapter was Nobody Cares. Tell us about that.
5: <laughs> well, it's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, and, and thank you again for uh, creating this opportunity for myself mm-hmm. and, and the other authors to kind of present our stories to the world. Um, yeah. You know, the the premise of the book is everything I, I learned as an entrepreneur, or greatest lessons I learned as an entrepreneur, and, uh, and to kind of narrow it to, to one or just a, a few is is daunting to say the least, right? It's it's uh, try to compose you know fifteen or twenty plus years of entrepreneur experiences into a, a singular bullet point is uh, yeah. is tough. But uh, I, I feel like we, we did a good job as as a collaborative body in trying to give a, a true focus of well, this is something that that we have found, yeah. and uh, and really uh, my chapter title of nobody cares could also be. A couple of different things, because the core focus is value exchange, right? And so it, another another term for you know nobody cares is uh, deliver the value, or am I am I giving the right value? Uh, because at the end of the day, people care about what what they want, and we're we're in business because we have a product or service that others have identified that that they want, need, they're willing to enter into an exchange of value, and so as a proprietor. It's your responsibility to deliver that because if you don't, that's called fraud. Yes. <laughs> so, now, I mean that that just that is what. It, well, I meant. Well, I'm sorry. You know, communication is a two way street, and uh, and it's a, it's a one way stop to to being out of business if you don't maintain those lines of communication. So, in a nutshell, that's that's really what the the premise of nobody cares is. Nobody cares about the reason. Uh, that sounds very callous. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially if you're not a, a data-driven uh, or oriented person, you know you've got uh, empaths and people that you know have a lot of empathy for others and and encouragers and people that are very kind and supportive and uh, and and then you have some that are di- driven strictly by results and then others by data. But at the end of the day, you got to do what you say you're going to do.
1: Right. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And and when you are in a service based business, which, which you are, and which I am, sometimes you'll have a sympathetic client, but you can't expect that to be the norm. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Do you, do we've got less than two minutes to our break. Do you have a favorite example of a client that you worked with that you just had to overcome that, even though you felt like you had every excuse in the world to not deliver?
5: Oh yeah. We just had one. It was a five figure contract and got into the job, thought we were going to get done a week early. And uh, started getting into it, and literally, 24 to 48 hours after doing a part of the project, we started looking up, and something had structurally separated. And so, uh, essentially, the client ended up with about $2,600 of work for free. Mm. But we kept, we kept our word, we kept yes. our time, we, we kept our budget, and then we just got an awesome review on the business bureau, uh, you know, out for all the millions of, of eyes in our communities to see, because guess what? We kept our word. It wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. Uh, we, uh, the final night, we were there till, at a, res- as a at a residence until after seven p.m. But so we kept our word. We kept our budget, and uh, and we delivered.
1: Fantastic, Daniel. Thank you so much for calling. In. I really appreciate you. It's our honor. Thank you so much. All right. You're so welcome. And we are going to be coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how much fun we're having and how quickly the show is going. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will have more callers to discuss their greatest lessons from being an entrepreneur when we come back. Please stay with us down the stretch we come when we return. This is Success Profiles Radio.
0: is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life this is success profiles radio
1: if you are in business what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth not having enough leads data is the new gold rush
4: I don't know about you, but I love to eat popcorn. It's the perfect choice for those of us into hunchery-munchery. That's eating any time of the day. If it weren't for that lid on the kettle to keep the kernels in, popcorn can pop up to three feet in the air. The last few seconds of popcorn popping are always the most stressful. When I hear the final pitter-patter, nicky-knack, and crick-crackle, I always get nervous I'm going to burn it. And there's nothing worse than smoky popcorn. In the 1920s, popcorn was banned at most movie theaters because it was considered too noisy. What's the word for noisy eating? Yuffling. Today, popcorn is the number one treat for moviegoers. With theater managers claiming they sell the most popcorn for scary movies.
3: It's Words You Never Heard.
4: I'm Carolyn Davidson, and for more Words You Never Heard, check out my podcast at WordsYouNeverHeard.com.
0: Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright.
1: And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And we have no guest this week. We have people calling in who were part of my new book called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 1. And we've been discussing lessons that some of my entrepreneurial friends have learned. And we've talked about a lot of really amazing things, Uh, the last of which was with Daniel, who said, no one cares about the reason why you failed to fulfill your commitment. You just need to find a way and you need to keep your word even if it's not easy. So here we are with Kenny. Kenny, how are you today?
8: I am well, thank you, Brian. How are you?
1: Fantastic. So your chapter was about finding your alignment. Tell us what that means to you.
8: So, yeah, it's, um, to put it short and sweet, a lot of it is, you know, just um, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, truly really figuring out who you are, what your goal is, and what your path is, and, and uh, you know, my chapter talks about a lot about that, and, you know, thinking um, I knew what I wanted, and and, you know, so I was gung-ho, but I just really had no clue what I wanted, no clue what it entailed to get where I wanted, and mm-hmm. I was in denial. But, you know, after so long and so many failures, finally um, um, admitting that I needed help and that I needed some direction and guidance from people that have already been down that path and, you know, so and understanding that I had a lot to learn and I had no idea, um that I needed to learn some of the things that I didn't know I needed to learn.
1: Absolutely. So, what happens when you are not operating in alignment with your purpose?
8: Um, you waste a lot of time. You waste a lot of energy and resources. You you feel you can feel happy, but not really fulfilled. Down deep, if you're if you're truly in alignment, you'll be. You'll be fulfilled, not just, you know, kind of happy, satisfied with status quo, mediocre. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, then you're, you know, you're just kind of um, meandering through life in a way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I want to ask, what was a situation where you were not completely aligned and did that make you miserable?
8: So one of the situations was um, actually the last couple of years, um, realizing, you know, how the mind works, doing a lot of research. Um, think and Grow Rich is one of the books that I've started really studying and then realizing mm-hmm. how little I really know about myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I didn't think I was miserable, but it, was a, it wasn't until I realized what my, how to align properly to my real purpose that I realized, you know, how unfulfilled I was. Um, it's, it's like, let's say, you know, you eat vanilla because that's all you know, but once you taste strawberry and chocolate and everything else, you're like, holy cow, how did I live with just vanilla this long?
1: Hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Think Groach is a really great book. What was your biggest takeaway?
8: Um, My biggest takeaway from that, I think, is just um, believing in myself what I just uh, drew a blank chapter. So auto-suggestion, you know, just being able to, to suggest what I really want and have an imprint on my subconscious mind and, and understanding that I have that control.
1: Yeah. Declare okay. what you really, really want. That's absolutely important. But a lot of people don't know what they really, really want. How do you get there?
8: Um finding people that know how to get what they want, know what they want, you know, finding mentorship, you know, that's a, that was a big step for me is finding mentorship and then understanding and some trial and error and just trust and belief. You'll figure out what you really want.
1: Yeah. So what's your criteria for picking a right coach?
8: Um, they have to be in alignment with where I want to go. You know, I'm, I'm not going to ask my mechanic for help on dance lessons or ask my um, financial mentor to help yeah. me um, work on my car. You know, so they got to be in alignment with where I want to go and be doing what I want to do and mm-hmm. living where I want to live.
1: Oh, that is so important. There are so many people who try to be a jack-of-all-trades, but if they're not really, really good at any one thing, people get confused. It's like, what, what is it that you're really trying to do here? And it can be very confusing, and a confused customer will never buy.
8: Exactly.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So any final thoughts before we wrap this up? What, what, What do you think is next for you? What is your final thought about alignment?
8: Um, being humble enough to accept to go get and accept mentorship
1: Yeah I love that and that's all about being coachable and teachable and humble I love that Thank you so much Kenny for calling in.
8: Thank you for having me on
1: You're so welcome we we are having such a great time here and I'll tell you what mentorship has come up more than once in this short time we've had together so far. It's so critically important. And something Kenny said was really great. You need to find a coach who has been where you want to go. And I would add even one more thing. That person still needs to be doing what you are wanting to do. Because if you are finding a coach who's just been there and done that but is still not doing it, that person may be operating from a place of not being completely up to date on what is actually working now. If you're working with someone who was good at lead generation 20 years ago, technology has changed a lot. Strategies have changed. A lot of things have changed. And if you're not working with someone who's actively doing it now and generating results for themselves and their clients, what's the point? You need to hire someone who is absolutely doing what you want them to do, what you want to do right now. So, I want to talk about another one of my lessons. You do not have to give a discount. If someone is asking you for a discount, it's a little disrespectful. If they're asking from a place of, I have a sad story and I don't have money right now, I get that. And you can be judicious about whether you offer that person a discount or not. I did give a friend of mine a pretty massive discount one time because I knew that he didn't have a lot of resources but i strongly believed in his message and he is a good friend of mine so i don't regret giving that discount but what happened was a couple years later he referred another he referred one of his friends to me someone i did not know and i quoted my full price because my prices had changed and i did not feel obligated to give the bro discount to his friend just because he's a referral I didn't know the guy, so he agreed to my full price, but he asked for a massively discounted payment plan, so I agreed to 10 payments, and when you're helping someone write a book, you hope it doesn't take 10 months to complete the book, but I agreed to this plan, and two months after he started working with me, he stopped paying me because he lost his job. 30 days later, he got a brand new job. But I began to notice that he hadn't started paying me again. And now he's demanding to know where his book was. I was having a little bit of an issue with that. I said, you you haven't started paying me yet. Not only that, but he was telling people that his book would be done in only two months. And I never, ever, ever promised that kind of a timeline. So I had a little bit of an integrity issue with this individual. And the fact that he was asking for completed work without paying in full was a problem for me. And we went back and forth and he said, I'm not paying you until you give me my book. And I said, I'm not giving your book until you pay me my business, my rules. And so we ended up parting ways. And what happened was he decided all of a sudden that he did not like the quality of my work anymore. And I realized it's not because you didn't like my work anymore. You realized that you just couldn't afford me. And so now you're inventing reasons for yourself to feel better about not having money by blaming me and my work. So we parted ways and we did not ever work together again. But you know what? You do not have to give a discount. Just because someone asks you for one, you do not have to give it to them. Because here's the thing. If you give the bro discount to somebody and you tell them, do not, do not reveal what you paid, they're going to, because they're going to ask, broke people refer broke people. And that's the truth. You just don't have to give that discount if you don't want to. And don't be afraid of walking away from business. Life is way too short to put up with people who irritate you. So that's it. Your business, your rules, period. I do like one of the topics that did come up a couple of times in the book. And again, the book is called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur. Clarity is absolutely important. When you have clarity around who you are, where you want to go, what your mission is, and the audience you want to help, you become very powerful. In fact, focus is a superpower. And sometimes it takes a long time for us to figure that path out. We try a lot of things that don't work very well first, and that's okay because we are learning. It does take some trial and effort and trial and error. You you need to figure out what you are actually good at, and by trying things that you don't like, you find out what you don't want to do either. Now, if you are still stuck in the game of, I don't really, really know what I want to do, I would encourage you to think about what you're good at. What do other people think you're good at? What do other people ask you? How did you do that about? Examine the things that interested you when you were growing up. What skills did you develop? What activities did you enjoy the most? And what can you draw from that? How can you combine the things that you loved doing as a child to what you're doing now? For me, I enjoyed writing all the time. When I was in high school, I would write stories. Uh, I would write, I would try writing a novel. I wrote myself into a corner, but I gave up. But when I was a kid, I was very fidgety in church. And my mom would hand me a notepad. And a lot of people, when handed a notepad, would just doodle. I wrote. I wrote stories. It's what I love to do. When I was in study hall in elementary school and I was done with my homework, I would write. And I would write stories based on TV shows that I was watching at the time. I would create new plots. It was fun. But look for the things that you enjoyed doing as a kid. Maybe that might be a clue to what you really ought to be doing now. We are coming to the end of the show. I cannot believe how quickly this went. But once again... The book is called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, and Volume 1, and you can find it on Amazon. The Kindle version is still 99 cents. The paperback version, I believe, is only $14.99. Grab that. I would be so honored. It hit number one in new releases in multiple categories, and Volume 2 will be coming up in the next couple of months. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Please join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until then, have a great week. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone.